Well, hello and a very warm welcome to Happy Times and Places, a positively inclined Doctor Who episode commentary podcast in which I, Toby Haydock, have asked a guest to choose a story and to nominate their favourite things about it. I have to watch, commentate along, and then try and guess what those favourite things are. My name is Steve O'Brien, I'm a film and TV journalist, and for this episode I've nominated Black Orchid. Uh, now this comes from my favourite era of Doctor Who, uh, it's kind of when I became a bona fide fan. Um, yeah, I've always thought that this story in particular uh, tends to be overlooked. Uh, I think all of those play Davis in two-parters, um, The Awakening, Black Orchid, The King's Demon. They tend to be dismissed as a bit lightweight, I think, next to these kind of meteor four-parters. But I think there's something beautifully compact about all of those, uh, and particularly this one. Uh, I think the reason I love it so much uh, is the fact that it feels so confident in being so different. Uh, of course, we all know it's the first purely historical story since the Highlanders, but uh, of course we have to get to the end of the story for that to become clear. Um, but it's also refreshingly low stakes. Uh, it feels very much like a palate cleanser after the visitation and before the hardness of Earthshock. And I sort of love its inessentialness. Um, it reminds me very much those uh, Agatha Christie adaptations from the time uh, that I remember loving, like The Seven Dials Mystery. Uh, and although it's not exactly a whodunit, uh, it has all the trappings of a prestige Agatha Christie adaptation. And it, of course, and it looks exquisite. Uh, I don't know if those sets were cannibalised from other better budgeted drama shows, but those two episodes, they just look so handsome and it makes Doctor Who look properly grown up. Uh, so there you have it. Black Orchid. That's my choice. Well, hello everybody. Welcome to this latest edition of Happy Times and Places. I've moved this one up the schedule. I did Four to Doomsday not that long ago. Uh, and I've already done Kinder, so season 19 is due a bit of a rest. But Steve O'Brien, who you heard there, who is a lovely chap, uh, who I met many, many years ago, um, who's a great writer and enthusiast about science fiction, but he's a, you know, he's a proper journalist, and uh, it was a bit rock and roll to me. I have to admit, when I was uh, young and reading SFX magazine, I thought all those guys seemed very cool because they wrote for a magazine and they had their pictures in it, and they seemed to, you know, hang around together, drinking and watching sci-fi, and I kind of thought, wow, that seems nice because I didn't, you know, even. You know, even you know, relatively later in life after university, I didn't, I didn't hang around with sci-fi fans. My mate Mark and I were both sci-fi fans, but we were, you know, we were mates. Um, so I didn't, I didn't have a sort of a, a, a wider social circle, and certainly not a professional one. Like as I say, sci um, SFX magazine seemed to be. And I remember when I then toured my show, must say, my Doctor Who scarf, to. Bath. I actually walked past Steve O'Brien in the street where he was looking quite cool. He's got spiky hair and he's dresses in black and uh, and I d didn't dream to say hello. But I was like, oh, oh I know him. Um, no, was it? No, maybe it was before that. I'd been in Bath. I do stand up. I've done stand up in Bath as well. I don't think it can have been because I'd have said thank you because I actually emailed him uh, when I was taking the show to Edinburgh. Uh, you know with a picture and saying you know can you do a, a preview and he went yeah sure cool and and it went straight in the magazine in the sort of news section i thought that was lovely because uh 
he didn't know me from Adam and I just got his email address from the from the thing. So actually that so no, I must have seen him in Bath prior to that. I must have been in Bath for some other reason. I've been to Bath many a time. Lovely, lovely place. Um and then uh the whole of the SFX lot on another occasion I was in Bath and I did Moth my Doctor Who scarf in Bath many, many times. More times than anywhere else, I think, because different venues kept inviting me. Um uh and the SFX lot came to see it and Steve came round the side and we sort of said hello and it was like we already knew each other even though we didn't uh, and we all went back to where I was staying and uh, you know had a, had a right old time and and I've been in touch with Steve ever since and uh, I like him very much but um, he agreed to do this he's blessed me with his presence and he's done an old series who this one and a new series who but they're both ones from seasons that I've already done quite a lot of. So they're actually quite low down in my pecking order. But Steve keeps e emailing me. We, we, we talk about other things. He goes, oh, you, when are you going to do the thing? And he's just become a patron as well. So I feel very, very guilty. And I like Steve very much. Um, so I've moved this up the schedule for, for Steve. Um, that doesn't mean anybody else listening who's got one. I think there's another Steve. Steve Lyons uh, did his. And, and Matt even and a few other people did theirs ages ago. Um, uh, and, and are still waiting very patiently. Well, Steve, Steve has uh, has um, made me feel guilty, so I've uh, I've pushed him up the order. So uh, Black Orchid, it is. Uh, Steve O'Brien is the guest. Thanks to Steve. Interesting. He says one of one of the great things about it is that it's inconsequential. Um, I, 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 he didn't quite say it like that. You heard what he said. Um, I, I mean, I I I think there's a fair point to be made there i actually think the awakening is a is a properly good story uh i've i've already i've always felt with I'm, I'm not sure how i felt about um i've i've always put it i would probably always sandwich black orchid in the middle of the of the davis and two parties i king's demon sort of goes a bit belly up uh at, at the very end um it's a curious thing this that we're about to watch so um Whereas Bernard, my dog, is watching his own reflection in the, in the French windows and doesn't seem to be entirely happy. Lie down, Bernard, because Dad does go watch Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm going to watch Black Orchid. You're going to watch Black Orchid with me, Bernard. Do you want to come here? Do you want to come over here? No? Do you want to come over here? No? He's sort of sitting in that sort of curious limbo between doing something. He's not going to relax like that. Right, Bernard, well, let's see if Black Orchid will put you to sleep. <laughs> it's a funny old thing, Black Orchid. Uh, I'm not sure how we're going to get on with it, but let's find out. Let's go back to 1982. And so I'm going to press, I'm going to press play in three, two, one. And it's the blue. Oh, there we go. So that's very good. I'll let you into a little secret. Uh, we had a bit of a false start there. So I've done a rare thing. I've done an edit in happy times and places. So I, I think now when I when I sort of approach this story, I think oh, it seems quite odd having this Starfield title sequence uh, over something that is uh, purely historical. So that's the, that's the interesting thing about this, first of all, is that, yes, as Steve said, this is the first historian i remember i remember where i was when i first watched this actually and it was at somebody else's house so we were at somebody else's house was it my friend ollie's but it was definitely wasn't at home and i think it was my friend ollie's and uh 
seeing by Terence Dudley. Now I got lots of books by Terence Dix, and you know I was young when this was on. I was what, I was nine. So uh, you know I, d- I didn't necessarily soak in words as as well as I would now, especially not names. And I think seeing Terence as the first name of the writer was strangely reassuring to me because it was reminiscent of some of the names on the books, uh, uh, in a way that um, but, you know Eric, as I thought it was Sawward. No, no, it's Saywood. Uh, uh, and Christopher H. Bidmead were not. They weren't on any of my target books. Now, I think this is quite cleverly done because I think this is stock footage of a train uh, and uh, just, uh, is it J- Jim Is it Jim Morris, the, 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 the guy who's the, uh, the, the station master, um, uh, and some smoke? Uh, and, 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 and so he's not actually with a train there. That's uh, just a bit of stock footage. Uh, but that's, that's nicely uh, melded together. And I do love... Uh, the incongruity of the TARDIS anywhere really I mean it's less incongruous there because it would have been there would have been police boxes wouldn't there at that time but uh, not you know on on a train station it still sticks out a little bit I just love I just love the TARDIS being on things it's just such a great uh, image I so so yes it's the fact that this exists is lovely within the great mosaic of Doctor Who that we have but I have to say if I'm in the mood for a slice of Doctor Who I I tend not to jump into Black Orchid uh, <laughs> because but but it isn't it fun that the, the, the beauty of Doctor Who the beauty of the fact that the canon is so sprawling is that I think I would be sadder if this didn't exist it's not dispo it's not disposable it's it's certainly not typical. Uh, certainly not the best example of Doctor Who ever, um, but Doctor Who can afford to have this anomaly. Although, of course, it's an anomaly that is actually more in keeping with the original ethos of the show than what it had become by the time I was a boy watching this. So, the fact that they decided to yeah, let's have a pure historical for once in. Uh, in this uh, first season of the Fifth Doctor, you go well. Okay, you you can sort of afford to do that because you've got whatever twenty odd episodes this season. Uh, you need to do something with the two parter. Um, this is this is Timothy Block, who uh, now that's lovely. I think by the way, because because nothing uh, terribly exciting has happened apart from a murder at the beginning. That's the that's the they've used that clip of Nissa in. Uh, in one of the flashback sequences, don't they? Anyway, um, her against the wall. Um, so this is Timothy Block as Tanner, the chauffeur, um, who is actually um, he's, he's, he's very sort of upright and proper there and, and, and uh, short-haired, but he's, he's, he's actually, uh, or, or latterly, he's quite a long-haired, sort of slightly more roll-his-own-cigarettes kind of guy. So he's, uh, he's certainly playing against the type uh, that he presents uh, now. Um, and he is the brother of Giles Block, who is Teal in The Dominators. So they are one of the rare brother combinations, not like Hugh Morton and Clive Morton from The Seeds of Death and The Sea Devils, who aren't brothers, even though uh, I have foolishly uh, on occasion suggested that they are. So and this is beautiful looking stuff. And I uh, and yes, not an awful lot has happened. We've had a murder at the very beginning. But I like, I think that's very nicely done. That Are you the doctor? And he's like, what? hang on. Um, and, you know, Nissa's obviously uh, slightly discombobulated this uh, this lovely chauffeur. Uh, and 
uh, so we've we've uh, set up a little bit of mystery, even though, um, you know, the, the story has been had quite a lot going on. Yet, I mean, you wouldn't have that opening TARDIS scene now, I don't think. Please, goodness no, because not an awful lot happened, and it wasn't. It, it, I, I don't think everyone was necessarily acting at their best. Um, Michael Cochran is always a welcome presence in anything like this. I'm one of the delights um, of watching television over the years has been the fact that Michael Cochran keeps popping up and he pops up in sort of more modern programs made by you know production teams who you know wouldn't have been around 30 40 years ago but he's managed to to keep himself regularly employed uh, increasingly playing nasty pieces of work actually whereas he's absolutely you know perfect here as the sort of charming uh, top hole heroic chap I remember liking him very much when I watched this uh, for the first time because he he seemed sort of heroic and proper stiff upper lip I know, I'm aware there's sort of slightly more going on now um, and of course you know this is perfect for Davison's doctor because he's uh, he's dressed in his cricket gear I mean I suppose it would have seemed like a missed opportunity if you dress your doctor as a cricketer and he never actually gets to go to a cricket match but and, and I like cricket I love cricket and I I do like the idea of cricket being in Doctor Who but I I I can't say I was wild about was I I can't remember because I like because there's, it's not enough that I like so I'm not like a modern youth where you have to go it has to be everything I know and like otherwise it, I feel like I can't identify with it whereas if it, there was stuff in Doctor Who that I sort of identified with I, I felt it was sort of being sullied by my presence or whatever um, so because I like cricket and played cricket I, I'm not sure I was uh, that wild about cricket being in Doctor Who um, and 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 partially because you know you're watching this and you're going is is this Doctor Who? I mean this this is so far we've we've I mean we're we're in the middle of a cricket match. But anyway, uh, it's very nicely done. It's it it, it looks lovely and uh, you know Doctor Who and cricket are two very British institutions with their idiosyncrasies. The the fact that they appeal to some people who who love them very much and absolutely baffle a whole other sections of society um and of course the bbc does this sort of thing very well these these i love the way when she says the empire of truck and barbara murray looks away as if to go i'm vaguely embarrassed because i don't really approve it's slightly foreign i think that's a beautiful thing and and, and when you have actors like barbara murray and the sublime the exquisite Murray Watson, uh, who I had the pleasure of meeting uh, and and uh, exchanging letters with on several occasions, um, uh, you know that they they this thing is in that this sort of thing is in their DNA. So they they give you uh, that, is that where that's where Davison bowls an extra uh, middle stump as well. Very good. Um, if there's a drinking game you can have now in this episode, and they're not always brilliantly captured by. The cameraman, the blocking, something slightly awkward, but you can see what they're aiming for. Uh, every time Nissa and uh, Adric look at each other and shake their heads uh, in bafflement at something that's been that's that's been going on 
uh, that is 1920s speak or cricket speak. The, the umpire unhelpfully moves out of Davison's way when he goes to clap him on the shoulder. Uh, as an actor, I would be really annoyed with my fellow performer not reading what I was about to do there and actually backing off and then making me look like a bit of a plonker. Because it, 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 Davison looks like he's being all matey with a guy who's then slightly out of reach. Uh, beautiful house. Um, I mean, as I say, the BBC and, 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 and you know, this country have, uh, uh, you know, um, all these sorts of wonderful backdrops that we can have um, uh, for this sort of thing. And Tony Burrow is the set designer. Uh, and uh, I think Steve Steve mentioned in his intro, didn't he, uh, you know, was this cobbled together from other sets. Well, Tony Burrow became a, a, an Oscar winner uh, and is, is one of the premier designers of Doctor Who of this period. So... He does an excellent job. That's, and you know, I love that stuff as a young fan, you know. Oh, he's, they mentioned the master. Oh, no, they mean, they mean W.G. Grace. But it's, but you have to do that in this story because so far, not an awful lot of Doctor who is happening. <laughs> you know, I'm surprised they didn't sort of say, oh, we were just saying to the neighbours, Yartek, our neighbours, the Vords. The Vords, yes, Yartek and Mary. They're the, they're the Hampshire Vords, you know. I mean, how, you know, how many, how many uh, there's, a, there's, there's another... Uh, uh, Adric and Nyssa being <laughs> confused by the things. I mean, I mean, you know, that sort of comedy of manners stuff is i mean it's all right but it's 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 to a laugh from here it's 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 my i think my second favorite drinking game next to the times that nicholas cage looks sad when somebody's or the wrong person has died in con air he does it a lot he does a kind of and it does a little shake of the head as if to say i may be hard and i may kill people myself but i get a bit upset when the wrong people die um <laughs> now i now this was manna from heaven for me as a boy because nissa was my favorite companion uh i really loved sarah sutton because uh, she's very pretty and i was nine and she's that sort of she's and i loved her velvet costume as nissa so i was in love with sarah sutton and so to have two of them uh, and i think she does a very good job she gives Anne a different vocalization she's she's very good at this uh, sort of period drama stuff um but this is a bit weird because um uh, you know, we have another comedy of manners where Nissa uh, uh, wants a screwdriver, which is a vodka and orange, isn't it? Uh, and, and Lord Cranley goes, yeah, no, I don't think you, you can have one of those. You're a child, even though you're the spitting image of this woman who I'm about to get married to. So that means this woman's not old enough to have alcohol, but she is old enough for a Cranley boffing. And I'm not sure... Uh, and now we discover not only uh, is uh, is is Michael Cochrane um, about to uh, get hitched to somebody underage. Prior to that, she was his brother's squeeze. So I mean, what was she, from the cot? I mean, what? How, how long was this going on? Uh, and also, I mean, it's a it's a it's a pretty gnarled family tree, isn't it? Uh, so so my brother i mean as we discover you know the brother's upstairs in the room but uh the brother's gone missing in uh, up the amazon so <laughs> he, he decides to uh any uh, to uh to, to say well no, as he's gone up the amazon should, should we should we uh 
should we should we just uh, get together then i mean i look almost exactly the same as him uh so you know not to make much difference is it it it, it is uh um <laughs> it's it so, yeah, so some of some of the, the sort of basic premise of the plot, um, it, it, it requires us to take an awful lot of things in our stride. That if you examine them just a little bit, make you go, "You." Now, I think some of, if one wanted to be uh, generous, um, uh, and that, there's the joke of uh, where they're from, name of a planet. Oh, is that so? We're foreign. So. We've had we've had uh, we've had a couple of the same jokes, um, but um, what what actually I think this story does very well and subtly, uh, and I think it, it it's crept in, osm in th through osmosis thanks to the book, w which is goes into a lot more detail. That's a beautiful costume. They're all beautiful costumes, um, uh, of the all of this proper nineteen twenties country house manners politeness decency actually hides a, a murky underneath that is a that is a lot more morally ambiguous so you could say that the fact that um michael cochrane has locked his brother upstairs and is now intending to get hitched to his girlfriend uh is 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 all about um the dodgy standards of the time but i'm i'm not i'm not sure i think i think that's me being quite generous to terence dudley um so have, has she yeah no that's what i was gonna say because i was when i was thinking about this i was thinking oh um uh, you know later on it's a plot point that there's only one of the same one of the doctor's costume but she she happens to have two of uh two of Nissa's just you know just in case her double turns up and they need to play a trick but I think within that the way that that scene was played it could be they've got lots of money she, you know they've they've phoned the, the 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 costume place and said my my mummy says she'll never shop at your costume place again unless you send us another one of those and they've they've expedited it because it's the posh Cramley family so I can I, I was going to criticize that but I actually think that uh, that could be okay or even that they'd got that they got a couple of examples of it because different people might try it on. No, so that's okay. I like the doctor's dressing gown. Uh, he's got a very smooth chest, hasn't he, Peter Davison? Um, uh, and and now I think the doctor spends the entire episode in in these sort of tunnels. And I have to say, you you know, you wouldn't want a, a better actor to be sort of stuck with keeping this stuff interesting. He's so good, Davison. He. He, he sort of burns through the screen with, you know, he, he never lets his performance drop, if you like. Now, that doesn't mean he's acting or he's over the top. It just means that he keeps it interesting. And so and now George Cranley's decided to steal his costume, uh, which... Uh, now, oh, I love, I really, I love this. It, it, this is where Brewster is showing Lady Cranley the fish. Now, she hasn't then looked at anything else, so she can't. She's at Brewster, show me the side of the fish. Or has he just gone, Lady Cranley, look at the cucumbers on this fish. And she's not gone, now can I have a look at the trifle? Or show me a, show me some beef. But he's just gone, Lady Cranley, here's the fish. Excellent fish, Brewster. Um, but so, but it's, it's the way of beginning the scene with a close-up of a piece of fish. Uh, <laughs> um, but this, this outside stuff all looks gorgeous. The costumes are absolutely magnificent. I saw a funny thing on Twitter, actually, a couple of days ago where somebody put, you know, you in, in BBC programmes where normal people 
go to fancy dress the fancy dresses you know the period costumes they have are always amazing because they're from the sort of bbc store cupboard or they're from uh, oh this that's lovely uh sir robert newer with his uh, oh it's a hoot oh yes i love all of that and he's so charming murray watson uh and i and i like i like the rapport that he has with janet fielding it's rather lovely and all this is brilliant all this stuff looks great uh and and this this is a really good sort of piece of lighting and there's a you could you could it's 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 it, it, it's it's i mean it's only a tiny little sort of cutaway set that but a shaft of light the 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 cobweb uh in the wind it it's, it looks really good um and you know because you've got these half masks on uh sarah sutton and vanessa payne is the double for uh sarah sutton uh, uh you can get away with shots like this where both of them are in shot and i think uh, i think the way that they disguise uh, nissa and Anne and the way that they do the the the, the sort of clever setups uh, where they, you know, where where we have both of them very quickly, one after the other. It's easier on film, of course, because each shot is set up differently. But they do it, but they do it well in uh, in, uh, in in studio as well. Um, yeah, I, I do like these two. I do. You could, I think you could tell that Janet Fielding likes acting with Murray Watson, and you you couldn't not. He was such a nice and charming fellow. I had a lovely letter from him many many years ago, and we wrote back. He wrote back a couple of times, and he said some lovely things. He was so delightful. Um, and I'd had a bit of a knockback about something, and I just sort of shared that as part of a sentence in my thank you, saying, "Oh, I'm, you know, anyway." I'm, uh, and and he actually took the trouble to write back and say, you know, he actually said what he said was, "You are either an eccentric or a fanatic, uh, but either way, more power to your elbow." Oh, that's Fernand Monast, that dancer. He's the scientist who gets shot in the bit I like in the Two Doctors. Anyway, he said, "Yeah, Murray Watson said you're either an eccentric or a fanatic, but more power to your elbow." The world would be poorer without such people. And I just thought that was such a lovely thing to write to me, which was very, very kind of him. And I, and I got in touch with him again many years later uh, when, I, when I picked up again on my Quatermass book. Um, uh, and I actually went to his house and spoke to him in his house in Barnes. And he was a charming, charming man. And I spent a morning in his kitchen uh, and I showed him a picture of Black Orchid. He couldn't remember a thing about it. Um, and uh, oh I did like him he was so nice uh, but um, so yes what was I talking about this uh, I think I lost track somewhere along the lines of what uh, this story is well it doesn't matter I've lost track so whatever that thought was I'm sure it was very good um, yes, so actually those dancers, yes, there's Fernand Monast, who's the scientist in The Two Doctors. There's also John Asquith, who's one of the, uh, is the front end or the back end of the Merca, and Adrian Gibbs, the Watcher, are amongst the dancers in that uh, outside stuff. Now, I don't normally remember the names of all of the extras, but uh, somebody had asked me about Fernand Monast for something. They were looking for him because he was an extra in something else. Or no, maybe it was for this. Maybe it was for the season 19 box set somebody was wanting to identify extras for some reason uh i haven't read the production text maybe they'd do it for that but if they do i helped um janet fielding's very game with this um and because uh, sarah sutton's a dancer as well isn't she um and, and i think vanessa payne who played uh, other Anne, she could do with being interviewed i was like oh the, the box set is out it's a shame when they did the oh you can see her there's a right close-up of her there Oh, you can definitely tell that that's that that's Vanessa Payne. That's that's not Sarah Sutton. Goodness me. Um, but they could have done with interviewing her for the 
making of i'm sure they tried uh but she would be somebody who i would be interested to see you know talking speaking and the face of seeing as she's mostly obscured for this i also i'm also quite keen to do a positive commentary for black orchid because i think the commentary uh on the dvd of this is rather sad because poor old sarah sutton's there going i really like this one because i'm two people in it and janet fielding and peter davison just basically steamroller and go hang on a minute we need to say how terrible this is uh and uh I, I, I think that's a bit of a shame because you can tell that she's trying, she's trying to say nice things about it. Um, I, lo- I love the way, I'm going to say I love the way, I like the way that the poor old shambling, dribbling George Cranley suddenly becomes this very, uh, well, yes, I know how to uh, deport myself like a dancer. I'll do a bit of dancing. I'll do the formal thing. Uh, and, and it's only when he then has to come back inside that he starts going, my name is George Cranley. Um, oh, yeah, I mean, he doesn't do that. That's my, that's my, you know what that was. Um, but yeah, he's, he starts doing the sort of dribbling, rasping thing that he, he doesn't do remotely whilst he's dancing like an expert outside. Um, that's one of the things where, I think you know for, for for all this story has great economy it also has very broad brush strokes that I think it uh, you know struggles to get away with if I'm honest it 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 makes up for it with the excellent production values superb cast the fact that it has this charm of being yes this sort of historical interlude but but in terms of the the actual storytelling of it I think I think Terence Dudley takes some hellish blooming liberties. Um, I would have been interested if they'd also not done a radiophonic score. I think it would have been really novel to have to have actually gone. Let's let's just have it with, um, you know, contemporary instruments. I don't know if that. It, it's all because 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 it is a bit of a slightly science fictiony score, and I think Doctor Who, you know, the advantage that Doctor Who has over other programs is that it can. Certainly then, you know, you can, you know, you can go from one style of incidental music, one story to a completely different style the next, particularly prior to John Nathan Turner going back to the Radiophonic Workshop, um, which he did the season before this. You know, if this had been, uh, uh, you know, certainly the, the, the first three Doctors, you know, the, 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 the music could be unrecognisable from one story to the next and would have been bold, I think, to go, let's have a... Let's have a non-electronic score for this one. I love that costume uh, that uh, I presume this is Gareth Milne currently wears, but Davison wears as as uh, as the Doctor's fancy dress. Um, I think uh, I think it's a it's a really fantastic design, and and it's one of those things that sort of both both beautiful, but also it's got a slight um, you know Michael Myers you know thing about it it's got the sort of the impassivity but it's also got the sort of robots of deathy thing is that it's quite beautiful to look at but the impassiveness makes it un- unpleasant now you couldn't I, I don't think you'd do it today where a, a female character sort of you know get, gets you into or out of a, a scene by fainting um you know is there only this only 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 women would do that sort of thing in, in on telly in those days and i and i and i think you i don't think you could do that now and quite rightly so but it's amazing what a trope it was all right bernard you can go outside in a minute bernard is bernard wants to go out the back uh he wants to go and have a little run down into the bottom of the garden maybe he's seen a cat uh but he will have to wait because i have to choose my favorite thing uh from 
Ahmed Khalil, I need to talk about him as well. Uh, the unknown is Gareth Milne. Well, I mean, it, it's it's not that much of a mystery who the uh, who the guy upstairs is, um, because because otherwise you'd have just put you know Jim the Shambler or whatever. But because you have to hide his identity, well, it's the only it's only one person who's sort of been referred. Oh, unless it was Smutty Thomas, I suppose. That's why he couldn't come to the cricket. <laughs> Smutty Thomas, one of the great uh, unseen characters of uh, of Doctor Who. So Tony Burra, excellent designer. Right, uh, let us choose what is going to be. All right, Bernard, give me a couple of minutes, mate. What is going to be our favourite thing about uh, Black Orchid Part One? I think it's got to be. Mm. I do like the cricket match. All I said about, about myself, I like the fact there's a cricket match in Doctor Who. I actually think it's quite fun. Um, and I, but you see, you've always got that. Uh, but what would the casual viewer think of having a cricket? Never mind that self-loathing magoo. If you enjoy watching a cricket match in Doctor Who, enjoy watching a cricket match in Doctor Who. And I do, even though that umpire annoys me. <laughs> um, and Davison's obviously having... Although Davison has said in interviews hasn't he that he's not actually a great fan of cricket but i totally buy that his doctor is is really in his element and really enjoying that and that's quite fun and it makes a bit of sense of the fact that he's dressed as a cricketer which i i don't think is a, is, a, is a great thing about about this era is that the doctor has a costume associated with one particular sport i've done a whole podcast about cricket in doctor Who. have a listen to that but we are although it is a beautiful costume and it's a it's a fantastic costume love the trousers and the and the look but uh, it's the jumper. It just ties it to cricket and nothing else. Anyway, um, so I like the cricket. Um, I love the cast. I, I, I think the film work is all very good. I think the costumes are amazing. But I think I think what I think what really works. Uh, they do it. They, they do it very well and subtly. Uh, is I, well, I love the fact that there's two Nisses. There's two Sarah Suttons because. I've, you know, as I said, I was in love with Sarah Sutton, and I think that the, 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 they they aren't too self conscious about it, but they very cleverly um, integrate the two Nissas and Nissa and Anne, uh, and it's and it's actually rather well done, uh, especially as in the studio that would have been a bit of a pain. It's so so yeah, Nissa, the the two Sarah Suttons and the way that they are um, orchestrated into the drama, uh, and I'm going to find out what. St- Steve thinks after I've let Bernard out. Oh, come on then, Bernard. So, uh, episode one. Uh, now, I thought about singling out the set design, but uh, yeah, that's a bit generic. Uh, so I'm going to go for the scenes where we see the fifth Doctor playing cricket. Um, I love the fact that this Doctor, uh, who's sort of gussied up like some 20th century cricketer, and then, oh look, he ends up at an early 20th century cricket game. I mean, what are the odds? Um, but I just love the look. I, I love the fact that Davison just looks so happy in these scenes. And sometimes it, it genuinely looks like Ron Jones is filming Peter Davison playing cricket. And that's Davison's ecstatic reactions, not the Doctor's. Um, so that's my favourite moment from episode one. Um, yes, well, I said that, didn't I? But I then didn't choose. <laughs> didn't choose it. I actually think we say it looks like it's Davison uh, enjoying himself. But as I say, Davison has gone on record saying he's not actually that bothered about cricket. So I think we think 
because we've got those pictures of Davison at charity cricket matches and stuff, I think we think it's Davison having a good time. But I think that's because Davison is such a damn good actor that we think, oh, well, that's just real. Well, no, it's real because Davison is so good. I think Davison is underrated as a character actor. I don't think he's, a, you know, but yes, he works all the time as an actor. And I think, you know, he has a good career and is and is highly thought of within and without the profession as a, as an actor, as a leading man. But I think he's a really good character player too and I think he's he's uh, he's more than he appears a lot of good leading actors are very much you know what they appear and that's it and they do a particular thing very well I think there's much more to Davison than his his you know his his sort of pleasant open leading man face sometimes leads us to believe I think he's quite deceptive um yeah I mean I essentially chose it except I then said something else so um I've, I've discussed all the th- all the things that I agree with 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 Steve there really I don't know why I said when I was watching it I I wasn't particularly happy with cricket being in Doctor Who I don't know if that's not a false memory um I certainly like cricket I do think I do think I just think I I thought I think the doctor being a cricketer was a bit of a contrivance being dressed as a cricketer was a contrivance so I maybe thought oh really um but I like cricket and so I therefore like cricket being in Doctor Who. Of course I do. I just need to let go of some of my insecurities of the past. Ha 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 ha. Yeah, it's a funny old thing, Black Orchid, isn't it? But that was jolly. That was jolly. Plenty there to enjoy. Uh, enjoyed it more than I thought I would. I think it's partially because I was talking over some of the... Because I, I do remember that, that uh, you know, some of the some of the performances in the, the opening TARDIS scene... Um, as I say, we're not we're not some of our best loved characters and actors at their best, um, and and I think there are some steaming old plot liberties taken by Terence Dudley and and some dubious setups, but uh, there was plenty there to enjoy, and it's a wonderful production. Uh, well done, Ron Jones. Well, it's got wonderful production values, so maybe well done, Tony Burrow. Is it Rosalind Ebert who did the costumes? And it's the BBC, you know, that's the, that's what you have when you have a corporation with an infrastructure uh, and people who've learnt the trade and, uh, uh, you know, and have, have the materials uh, and all of that sort of stuff at their disposal. Uh, could almost be a celebration, could almost be a, a justification for public service broadcasting. Absolutely. Top hole. Well, thanks very much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydock. My special guest is Steve O'Brien, who can be found on Twitter at Mrs. Steve M. O'Brien. No punctuation and an E in the O'Brien. Mrs. Steve M. O'Brien. I would like to thank Steve and also all the members of the Patreon Hunt, who include... Ruben Herfindahl, Stephen Moffat, Peter Burns, Chris Phone, Peter Harness, Ronald Hayden, Rob Leonard, Christopher Meredith, Richard Straw, Neil Tate, Nick Tedston, Neil Little, Pete Lack, Hendrik Korzeniowski, Andrew, Andy Kitching, Matthew Kilburn, William Keith, Judith Jackson, Christopher Joyce, Jessica Jones, Robert Jewell, Paul Ingerson, Darren Howard, Matthew Houliston, Simon Hodges, Stephen Hill, Legion Henderson, Paul Hayes, Ronald Hayden, Duncan Harvey, Steve Hatcher, Susan Harrison and Hammer House of Podcast. The music is by Dave Gates, the artwork Dylan Patterson. Well, if you would like to join that list of 
patrons, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydock. My goodness, what's there? Advanced releases, uh, bonus material, exclusives, and the most popular feature, much to my chagrin, pictures of my dog, who is called Bernard. Um, and the the patron levels start from as little as £3 a month uh, and go up to, I mean, they go all the way up to whatever you want. You can pay gazillions if you want. Ha- however, um, uh, <laughs> you get pretty much everything at the lowest level. I, I, I don't like the idea di- idea of d- denying people goodies. So there are little carrots dangled um, uh, as you ascend the ladder, but uh, they're not, the, they're not, you know, they're, they're not. They're not sexy carrots. Uh, they're they're you know slightly gilded carrots. But um, I'm 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 not going to persist with the carrot metaphor. Um, however you like your carrots, you, you however you like them onions, you get the onions at, th- at three pounds a month. Um, and uh, yes, so do that. But if you can't do that, you can go to coffee.com. If you prefer coffee to onions, this is running away. I don't. I'm not enjoying this one, but I'm just going to do it. Um, you can, sometimes it just flows. Sometimes it's just a word salad. Um, you don't really want onions in your salad. Well, you, I suppose you know you can have some red onion uh, uh, to contrast uh, with the you know the, I suppose with the sweetness and freshness of all the other uh, bits of a salad. But uh, lunchtime onions at lunchtime. I mean that sort of stuff does hang around and people do notice. So um, have a chewing gum afterwards. Uh, 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 well, and you probably need that after coffee as well, which is what I'm laboriously trying to get to ko-fi.com forward slash toby Haydock, where you're not uh, unlike patreon you are not obliged to contribute every month you can just do a one-off drive-by um donation uh, if you think that um, i need rewarding for some fairly substandard improvisation uh, and uh, the sort of uh, torrent of nonsense that you're currently suffering apologies for that i i i've got a sneaking suspicion this particular appeal uh to financially support the endeavors of t haydoke esquire will probably not be my most successful but do you know what it would be boring if i was brilliant all of the even some of the ever uh you can follow me on twitter where I'm obliged to be pithier <laughs> and slightly more considered than what you just heard, at Toby Haydock. Um, please do go to iTunes or Podbean or wherever you get your podcasts and give these five stars. Five stars really helps to separate this from the very crowded uh, Doctor Who podcast sphere, and it's crowded with some excellent quality products. So five stars and a couple of lines of review would be really helpful. And please tell your friends... Uh, all over the world uh, about Toby Haydock's time travels. I'd be most grateful. I've been pondering on on Black Orchid. Um, I don't know if I I was particularly uh, inspired when I was commentating there on part one. It's interesting, isn't it, that the the most interesting things or the most novel things of most enjoyable things about black orchid are not the traditional things you would enjoy about uh, a, a doctor adventure you know the the plot the story um i mean of course they're not there are some there are some stories that have uh, very little plot and are exercises in very you know 
noticeable direction you know i think most people go to Earthshock for the for the atmosphere and for the pace uh, than they do for the story um uh but uh, and, and sometimes you know the actors can lift something that's a little bit substandard but you tend to you, you know you tend to be led by where the story is 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 taking you and when you you know when you think of a story you sort of think well you know what 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 was being told there what what journeys were made by the characters there but but actually with black orchid it's 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 curious that you can st- i still enjoyed watching it but actually it was i enjoyed the cricket match i thought that was fun uh, i enjoy all the the, the sort of p- period stuff um uh and, and and the story itself is quite disposable which is is actually not necessarily a bad thing um you know a piece of television doesn't have to be uh, enjoyable because of you, you know because of one one key aspect if you're you know it's distraction isn't it uh you know i've watched some stand-ups who've got you know not much material to speak of but they're so they're so watchable because they're charming or interesting you know it's trickery isn't it uh and i suppose that's the sort of alchemy of of, of television is that, that that story could do complete with a doctor who story in particular does not need a cricket match <laughs> and in fact some doctor who stories would not benefit from having a cricket match but actually black orchid does because it's for some bizarre reason actually it charms you more and is more interesting than than the story being told i think that's i think that's uh uh i think that's worth pondering on um that that actually the things and i'm recording this after i've watched part two the things that i take away from watching black orchid are, are are less to do with the story and more to do with everything else but that's what television is isn't it it's it's a story and everything else and sometimes the everything else is more interesting than the story um i mean i don't i think as a maker of television you want a script where you go i really want to tell this story but i guess sometimes you have it where you go um well there's a cricket match and a buffet so let's hope we could pull those off uh, and a dance uh, and uh, uh, anyway, um, uh, and and the, <laughs> the yeah, yeah, they uh, at least it's got an excellent side of a fish in it, right? Um, let's. Uh, I don't know if that's in part two. As I say, I'm recording this after I've watched part two, so I might have just done a callback to an observation I haven't made yet. But we will call that wibbly wobbly and timey wimey, because um, that's another thing that can distract from. Well, let's not get into that. Right. Goodbye.